Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life, so our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and today we're going to talk about how we can get the victory. How we can get the victory. We've talked about all the things that we have victory over, but today we're going to look at how it's possible to access that victory. As always, you can follow us in our show notes for all of the social media links and our email address to contact us with a question or an episode idea. We would definitely love to hear from you, and we appreciate you listening to this podcast. Anytime you talk about great victories, they don't happen by accident. I listen to the Dave Ramsey show sometimes, and and Dave Ramsey always says, the team that wins the Super Bowl every year doesn't win it by accident. Novel thought, right? No, the idea behind that is in the middle of June, teams assemble together and make a plan on how they are going to win that year. Every team does it. Some teams understand that we have thresholds we can't cross because of our roster or because of these things that are hindering us, but here's the threshold we plan to cross this year. But there are certain teams that every season, they meet in June, and the expectation is a Super Bowl trophy at the end of the year. That's when they win. And yes, I understand, you win the game in February, but the planning for that game starts all the way back in June. So, I know there's a way to win. I know I can become a Christian, a New Testament follower of Jesus. I know that's all possible. How do I do it? How how can I possibly do it? First, I have to know that without Jesus, I'm lost. Without Jesus, I'm not going to win. You know, you can't win a Super Bowl without a quarterback. You can't. Now, sometimes teams have been able to do it with not their starting quarterback, but a lot of times if the starting quarterback goes down, it's like the NFL fans for that team say, well, good season, we'll get them next time. Because they just automatically expect for the team to go down the drain. And it's because we understand for that sport to work, you need somebody who can throw the ball well. You've got to have it. And without them, Your chances of winning are probably not that great. I'm going to tell you today that the chances of winning without Jesus are awful. They're they're non-existent. You can't find a way to win without Christ. You and I, when we weren't with Jesus, were alienated from him. That's what Ephesians 2 and verse 12 says. At the time you were without Christ, you were in alien from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So what was our state prior to Jesus? Alienation. No hope. I don't know about you, but hope is a powerful thing in my mind. Hope makes everything better. It doesn't matter if if you're just going to take it from the sports perspective. If a team loses all of their great players... But they get a lot of draft picks or a lot of money to spend in the NFL free agency. You don't really hear most of the fans talking about the season being done already. Because there's hope. For every team, when the new league year starts, there's hope. Hope that maybe they put it all together. Hope that they make it to the Super Bowl. Hope that they win it all and they become immortalized in the NFL games. 
forever. Hope is so powerful. And I didn't have it when I was without Christ. And neither do you. If we're without Christ, we don't have hope. But then Christ made it possible for us to become citizens of his kingdom. Because he says in verse 13, Christ Jesus has now brought us who were once afar off near. By what ability? By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Jesus Christ tore down the wall of separation. Both Jew and Gentile can be Christians now. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, you can be a follower of Christ. And why did he do all of this? That he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting the death, the enmity. He came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For those who are through him, they have access by one spirit to the Father. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. At this point, there is now no condemnation. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So think about this for a moment. I was without hope, and you were without hope. And Christ Jesus looked at us and realized that and said, You know what? According to Philippians 2, verses 4 through 11, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to go down to earth. I'm going to live a life and be tempted in every single point possible. I'm going to die the most horrible death that I could ever possibly die. And I won't have done anything wrong. But I'm going to do it with the understanding that I can give hope. That I can bring the, the wall of separation down. That I can bring both Jew and Greek, male and female, bond or free. I can bring them to God. And so he did. I might want to mention to you that the last two verses that I read about the no condemnation is in Romans 8 verses 1 and 2. I am, I'm redeemed. I've been saved. I've been bought by the blood of Christ. And I am able to share in the blessings of that and in the great victory of it. I can be a part of the greatest team that has ever been assembled. The Christians. You know, as great as football and sports are, Someday, the last touchdown pass will be thrown, and the last trophy will be hoisted. And then the judgment will come. I used to hear the story told, and it didn't mean as much to me growing up as it does now, because now I am a very big football fan, but I remember hearing the story about 
let's say that it's the college football national championship, and it's number one versus number two, and the game has been incredible. It's back and forth, back and forth, and it gets to overtime. And number one has kicked a field goal, and now number two has a chance. They're at the one-yard line after a really good drive. They have the opportunity to punch the ball in and win the game. And so the quarterback is in the huddle, and he calls the play, and they get to the line of scrimmage, and he's barking out signals, and he looks back to the running back and gives him some information. He looks to his wide receivers, and he tells them what he wants them to do. He calls for the snap. He turns around, hands it to the running back. He is bursting up the middle of the line of scrimmage, and that's when it happens. Not that he fumbles, but the trumpet sounds. The judgment day is coming, and it's here. Who wins the game? Who cares? Who cares? Everyone's eyes will no longer be on the football field. They'll be looking upward. And at that moment, it will become about what team you're a part of. Are you a Christian or are you not? Because I'm told in Scripture very plainly that without Christ, I'm alienated from Christ. I want to win, don't you? Don't you want to win? Nobody likes losing. Everybody wants to win, and you and I have the opportunity to be successful. But let's begin to close this episode out with this illustration. You know, on a hot day, you want nothing more than to be cooled off. So picture being in the heat. It's incredibly hot. You're sweating. You just want to get some cold air blowing on you. And you see off in the distance there's a fan. And it's blowing. You know that it's on, but you can't feel the air because of how far away you are. How do you benefit from that fan? You've got to get near it. You have to be in its vicinity. Christianity is no different In Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, we're told that all things were put under Christ's feet and was given to him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Well, how many places can I go then to be in the vicinity of Christ? If I know that there's only this particular place, it's the body of Christ where I've got to be, where can I go to find it? How many of them are there? Ephesians 4 and verse 4 tells me there is one body. Remember that Paul earlier in Ephesians told us that the church is the Lord's body. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. If there's only one body, then that means there's only one possible place to benefit from the blessings that God promises us. And blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, 3, who's blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We cannot become cooled off unless we have an ability to cool us off. You know what I mean by that. If it's a hot day and there's no fan around, tough. It's going to be a hot day. 
I cannot get to heaven then if I don't have Christ. If I'm not in the vicinity of Christ and I want to have the victory and I want you to have the victory, what good will it do us to live a life that's fairly important and to still lose in the end? Your life is far better with Jesus on your side. Your life is far greater with the Lord. But I know many people in the world want to try to make us believe that it's not important what we do or what we say or how we talk or how we act. Believe that and then look at someone who is running for political office and see how many times they drag any type of skeletons in the closet out into the media. All of a sudden, morality matters. We cannot pick and choose when our morality is important. Morality always matters. It doesn't matter what time of the day, what month, or what year we're in. As long as there is a world, there will be sin and there will be victory. And we get to choose which one we are. But how I live and how I act is how to gain the victory. It determines my fate. If the quarterback doesn't read the defense right, he's not going to win. I want to win, and I want you to win. And when we look at Revelation 2 and verse 10, talking about not being afraid of the things which we're about to suffer, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. You'll be tested. You'll have tribulation 10 days. But if you're faithful unto death, I will give you the crown of life. Now, I know many times we use this verse, and we, we somewhat pull it out of context. Because we always say, if you're faithful unto death, you'll be given a crown of life. And that is a true statement. But what this verse is really discussing is the mentality that even if you die by your faithfulness to God, you're willing to do it. Because what the verse says in just a few phrases before it is, don't be afraid of the things you're going to suffer. He's talking to Christians who are suffering persecution for being Christians. He says, don't be afraid of that. The devil is going to throw some of you into prison that you'll be tested, have tribulation 10 days, but be faithful unto death. If they come in and they're trying to get you to denounce Christ and they're torturing and they're punishing you, even if it means that you die, be faithful. Really? What's the result? You get a crown of life. I want to win. Don't you want to win? And we can. We have victory over fear in this world and death and sin. And all of those things coupled together means that I don't have to stand worried about my state at the judgment. But you might. And maybe I get to a point where I do too because I'm not perfect and I can sin and stumble. I always have to put myself in check that just because we gain victory right now doesn't mean we can't lose it. Every year, a team that has won the championship the year before can just as easily lose it. People say it is the hardest thing to do, and they talk about repeating. You can't repeat. It's a hard thing to do. You, it's just so difficult to repeat. We have to understand the diligence that is required on us in order to win, but it doesn't mean we can't do it. Jesus Christ has given us a victory, and if we're faithful, even if it means our death, We'll gain it, and our lives, according to Philippians 1.23, will be far better because we'll be with the Lord. So just win. 
Don't lose. I believe in you. You can do it. And I hope you believe and want me to do it as well. And if you have any questions, you know you can email. You know you can contact and communicate with us. We would love to talk to you. But I'm thankful that you've chosen to listen to this episode. And I hope that until the next time that we're together and discussing the Bible, that we all decide and choose to please God now so that our eternity is far better.